Are you ready? Okay, Smokey. Roll them. <laughs> That's silly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Not Quite All Folks, a Looney Tunes podcast. I'm your swinging host, Mark Hanlon, joined by... And I'm your uh, beep-bop-a-loo-bop host, uh, Jordan Schmitz. And today, we are going to be talking about one of the most important aspects of cartoon filmmaking. Timing! Oh, we're being electric today. Okay. Yeah, this is going to be one of those weird episodes, folks, so strap in. Um, Holy shit. Okay, so what we're doing today... (laughs) You wouldn't expect it. We're doing uh, Three Little Pigs. We're we're doing um, three shorts that are uh, based on the story of the Three Little Pigs. Right. And, look, I'll be lying if I said part of the whole reason I put this together is... One, to discuss more in detail about Warner Brothers and how they love to make fun of Disney, because mm-hmm. uh, that, that's something we've said a lot. And secondly, because we watched out back to Three Little Bops in more detail than when we did in the uh, Bugs Bunny uh, movie episode. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, Three Little, when we did, um, when I did my watch of uh, Looney 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 Bugs Bunny movie, Three Little Bops was one of the shorts that I skipped past entirely because I wanted to watch it um, when we would do the episode on it with a fresh mind. And I think it helped because um, as we're going to get to, uh, Three Little Bops is one of those very special Looney Tunes shorts. But we had to basically construct an episode around it. And uh, that worked with uh, varying uh, degrees of success, I think. Um <clears throat> yeah. While Warner Brothers has done like pig shorts in the past, um, you know, there's Pokey Pig, so you know they've done pig shorts. Oh yeah. I, I just thought that that doing uh three like little pig shorts that Warner Brothers did that'd be too easy and mm. honestly not as memorable in people's minds. Right. So instead, instead, <laughs> I, I decided. Let's just break the show completely and do the one thing this show should really not do based on the type of stuff we cover, and that is a Disney cartoon. Yeah, this we, we're, we're tempting the Disney gods um, by... Because, really, we can't talk about our second cartoon without talking about Disney, in a, in a sense, but also just their portrayal of three little pigs so really basically doing this episode with the disney cartoon puts into perspective everything else we're doing in this episode and it's actually a smart idea by you it may be tempting the gods and breaking the show but in terms of contrast and in terms of analysis comparing it to the original og three little pigs kind of cartoon i think is really gonna make the ne- the other two parts of this, and also the first part of this, uh, really interesting. 
because there is a lot of interesting stuff to discuss in regards to both to, to but not quite all three because one of them is kind of self-explanatory but especially all three of there's there's little interesting things going on i think there is yeah so what are these three i don't think we've named them yet all right well the three shirts we'll be covering are disney's Three Little Pigs. Yes. Pigs in a Polka. Right. And the Three Little Bops. Right. So I'm just going to just go out and say it. these are three very different portrayals of the Three Little Pigs lore. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And some work more than others. Some are more classic than others. Some are remembered more than others. And we're gonna go in on we're gonna go over the different reasons why this is while also like you know having our usual bit of fun with it because <laughs> there is lots of fun yeah. to be had with these. Um, oh, yeah. All right. So the first short we will be discussing is Disney's The Three Little Pigs. Mm -hmm. Came out on May twenty seventh, nineteen thirty three. As what happened that day, the Austrian Communist Party w was banned. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, how's that for intense? <laughs> That's an Arnold movie waiting to happen. The workers of the world they got to unite. Cease to mean the production cow. Thank you, thank you. Okay. <laughs> So it was uh, directed by Bert Gillett and written by Pinto Kolbig, who was also the voice actor of Pluto. Oh. So, how's that for, uh, for, for getting double pay? Yeah. Um, Ted Sears, Webb Smith, and Albert Hunter. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, Boris V. Orkoven. Okay. Given none of these credits are on the actual screen, because on the actual screen, it's uh, it, it's it's so funny. But what, what actually does get credited in this short? Because it, it's hilarious. So, here's some uh, fun notes here. Um, it won the Academy Award for Best Animated Short in 1934. Yes. Mm-hmm. And in terms of uh, what shorts were nominated that year, because I, I like going through like what was. Oh yeah, so do I. So, not gonna lie, pretty stacked. It was uh, three little pigs, mm -hmm. the Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse short, building a building, mm. and the only other other uh, not not Disney uh, competition was Walter Lance's The Merry Old Soul. Okay, cool. So usually when two when usually when two uh, of a certain company's cartoons or, or projects are nominated, usually that splits it. Like like in any category where the majority of the nominees are from one co company or from one movie or whatever, the one that is not the 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 one that is nominated alone usually wins because um, you know people are splitting the bill and. You know, just things like that. It's why it's why the third party candidate, if 
they, they skew either left or right, then that'll take votes away from either the left candidate or the right candidate. It's, it, it's a vote breaker, essentially. But uh, it's very, yes. it's, it's, it is nice that uh, Disney was able to sneak out a win in this uh, respect, uh, even if it's for this. Yeah. Also, it was nineteen. This is the this is the second Academy Award for Best Animated Short ever. That one, hmm. uh, of course, the first one was also won by Disney. That was Flowers and Trees. Yes. And uh, yeah. So for a good eight years, Disney won it mm-hmm. <laughs> from thirty one from thirty one to thirty nine straight through. All Disney Pictures wanted, and then it wasn't yeah. until harmonizing with the Milky Way, which, funny enough, that that was the short that it it won. Oh, oh, wait, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Disney was even nominated the year that uh, the Milky Way won, and Wild Hair lost because Milky Way won. And I'm getting way too intense into this. What the hell am I doing? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't read any more, or else you're going to spoil some of the stuff I have to say in the next one. Okay. Okay. Please. So, this short was successful, not only mm-hmm. for winning the Academy Award, it just took over the world. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine one day you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're, a, you're a 1930s kid, and you're just doing your 1930s kid thing, and then you walk into a theater and you, and you see this short called The Three Little Pigs. And all of a sudden, it is your world. All of a sudden, you love the song that's in it. All of a sudden, you want to see this thing as many times as possible in theaters. You want so much, you will demand that theaters for years will continue playing this cartoon, even though it's like old by the by that point. Yeah, this is that's what this thing was. This is probably the most pop culturey. Pop culturally well-known version of the Three Little Pigs story. This is the kind of version that mm-hmm. most other, like contemporary tellings of it, point back to. So, it's very interesting watching it now. But yeah, that's 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 getting into content. I think we should actually get into content first. Yes. Okay. So this cartoon begins with uh, the opening card, and it reads. It's so long. I love it. It's Mickey Mouse Presents Walt Disney's Silly Symphonies in Technicolor Three Little Pigs. Oh, hold mm-hmm. on. So a fictional character is what is what? The executive producer of this thing? They didn't credit any animators because, well, why would Walt? No animators, not the writers, not the directors. No. no. But Walt Disney was credited. Yes, Walt Disney was credited. But even then, Walt Disney, like, undercredited himself, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> like, uh-huh. like, Walt Disney's creation presents Walt Disney, which presents this cartoon series in Technicolor, because, again... It's like saying Medea presents Tyler Perry's new film. Exactly, exactly. So the short begins with an introduction to the pigs. You know, we see... And their names are credited as uh, Beefer Pig, Fiddler Pig, and Practical Pig. That's their, like, hmm. names. That didn't catch on. 
I guess that was uh, added later when they did their uh, sequel shorts. Anyways, yeah. so you know, and we and so we start with the with the the hey uh, pig, and he's just you know singing a song about how you know he he builds his house of straw, and he feels very confident because he just you know he. Uh, it's here to establish personality. Yeah, but what little yeah. there is. <laughs> I mean, but even listening to these early Pink songs, like the rhythm of it, like remind you of other things. Like I'm just hearing, you know, I built my house of this. I, I built my house, house of straw. I built my house of hay. I cut down trees. I eat my lunch. I go to the lavatory. <laughs> On Wednesdays, I go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. You just hear other things. Um. Yeah. So, so he just says, you know. So for the hay pig, he toots his flute. He doesn't give a hoot and plays around all day. Yeah, that's what that's what really made me think of the lumberjack song. Yeah. And he plays around all day. Yeah. And and the fiddler pig. He fiddles all day. He um plays on his fiddle. Does all kinds of jigs, and then we cut over to the uh, practical pig. And he's just building his house of bricks, and he says, you know, work and play don't mix. If you keep messing around, you're not going to be prepared when the wolf comes and tries to get you. Two things here. Yes? First of all, first of all, the, 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 the practical pig's response to them, like, I think it's as they're dancing and, and you look over and, and he's, he's doing the, the, this other rhythm. It, it was like the dun 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 dun. dun. It reminded me of of Mel. Brooks. First of all, he sounds a little like Mel Brooks and the producers, and it sounded like "Don't be stupid, be a smarty, come and join the Nazi party." So, it, it other comedy things are filtering in here again. And the the other thing that I noticed around here was was basically the theme of this. So, so the theme of this, the moral, is that the pigs who lackadaisically think about their own fun and self absorption over actual workmanship and and battering down a successful house and hatch, like the third one is. Uh, yeah, the pigs who are thinking more about themselves than, than actually their own protection are the ones whose houses and finances suffer, while the worker, the one who values his own workmanship over all else, is the one who wins. Doesn't this sound a bit, mm, I don't know, communistic for a capitalism-laden com company like Disney? Don't you think if Walt had figured out, hey, wait a minute, this sounds a little bit like a communist kind of message, then he wouldn't have put his name and his character's name all over it? <laughs> well, the Austrian, the Austrian Communist Party did collapse. Oh, oh sorry. Or, or did get banned when this short came out. So Ex you think maybe there's know. a connection. Maybe, maybe they were so excited about this short that the, the Austrian government was like, no, we can't have that. Get them out of here, them and their three little pigs related comfoolery. So, Jay Ron Pigs. Anyways, <laughs> so um, I will say my first uh, response to these pigs actually wasn't the underlying communist message, but. Um, really? No, actually, you know what it was? The what? animation. Oh, right. Yeah, that's what we should be talking about. The pigs are very well animated. They feel alive. Let's look at that. 
The animation's really good. Well, yeah, I get, mean... In, in some areas. There was a bit early. There was a bit very early on, one of the first frames of the short, where you can where the, the, the first pig's building his house of straw, and you can clearly see which straw additions to the house are animated and which ones are already part of the background. Which, yeah. I mean, if you're the greatest animation studio of all time, you've got to have, you know, more impressive stuff than just, ha-ha, those bits are animated, clearly. Like, maybe I'm nitpicking, which is what you usually, you usually do. Yeah. <sighs> also, the, um, the, the pig who built his house of sticks, they're actually like, wait. Oh, wait, no. That's the next one. My bad. Um, they're dancing and singing. Oh, no. Okay. And this is where we get our song. So. Yes. This is where it begins. So, the two pigs look at the practical pig, and they begin by saying, he thinks that work don't play, or something like that. And then there's a musical build-up, and then we go into our title song, which is called... Right, which was written for this short, which I didn't know about. Yes, it was written for this short by uh, Frank Churchill. Okay, with, no relation um, to Winston. <laughs> what? We shall fight them in the barbecue restaurants and on the pigs. No, but what, what is that thing, though? Um, conducted music by Carl Stalling. Yeah, there good old go. Carl. Good for him. He has he has a role in Disney legacy history. Yeah, it's just really good. So the song, okay. So the song is read by Bad Wolf. Okay, this is totally going to sound like a uh, Disney historian who's trying to like appeal to the kids, but this was the Let It Go of its time, or the yeah, you know, or the Hakuna Matata of its time for us nineties. It's, yeah. Because um, for some reason, 1930s audiences went, The Big Bad Wolf. I'm in the Depression right now. The government is the wolf. The pigs are me. Hence, we're not afraid of the Big Bad Wolf. Look, I assume you had to be there. Which. So, wait a minute. I kind of feel like I If that analogy is correct, Mark, then the people of the 1930s were comparing themselves to the first two pigs who were asking for it by not building their houses and, and finances well enough to end up getting with, caught with their pants down when the Depression and our wolf comes around. And they were like, yeah, that's me. Huh. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I think they also used it, um, they used that song, if I read correctly, um, during the war. And yes, with the Big Bad Wolf being the Nazis, I believe. Yeah. Which makes a little more sense. Yeah. And the other thing about that song is that it was also, um, it was also used by a very famous playwright named Edward Albee, one of the great playwrights of our time. For the, um, the probably his best known play, or at least from most contemporary audiences, uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yes, which is a great four-man piece. If, if you've ever, if you've never seen it performed, or if you've never seen the Elizabeth Taylor Richard Burton movie, it's 
a haunting, like, complete deconstruction of a generation gap as well as just the way that relationships were. It, it's a really fascinating and, and really good play. And Edward Albee did use the motif of Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf in this play. I think Elizabeth Taylor's character um, uses that song a lot in this. And it's, it's very much a motif in, in the play. So that's one pop culture. Thing. Yeah, and there's, there is another instance, but I, I, I want to say the one near the end of this thing because it, it's just the biggest like connection between this and the other two shorts we'll be covering. But right, okay. but my, but here's the thing. So this song, they only sing of okay. So the version that's sung in the short. It's a bit of a truncated version because they did release like a full yeah. version of the song. And it's the 30s. So there's some lines in it that's like a ha-ha thing. Uh, for instance, for example, the one of the lines is about the pig who built his house of hay. And the line in the song, in the full song, is... Um, Number one was very gay, and he built his house with hay, because easy rhyming. <laughs> Hello, I'm very gay. I'd like a couple of dollars. Yeah, <laughs> and and my, okay, <laughs> ah, the 30s. And the final thing I'll say about this song, and it's my favorite thing. So this song was covered a lot. A lot of artists... Mm -hmm. Covered it. A Disney artist covered it. Um, mm -hmm. LL Cool J covered it in the '90s for a <laughs> Disney album. It was the theme. It was the theme song to um, NCISLA, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, Chris O'Donnell and Linda Hunt do backing vocals. Um, no, but uh, another artist who covered it was Barbara Streisand. Yes, and. Normally it's like okay, so it's whatever. So she covered she covered a Disney song, whatever. This cover of the song ended up on an album that won album of the year at the Grammys. So she, yeah, so it's a Grammy award winning went rendition of Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf. And what's even funnier is that version begins with the opening melody of another Disney short called Peter and the Wolf. Oh, yeah. Problem is, that opening melody is copyrighted by the, by like the author, the author of Peter Yeah, and the by Wolf. Prokofiev's people, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was copyrighted by them. And she, and she didn't get permission to use those notes, so she got sent to court over it. So Barbara Streisand got sent to court for adding a melody to the song Who Was Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf. So, so this song got her a Grammy but also lost her out on some money. That's going to be in Barbara Streisand's um, obits when summing up her career. You know, a Grammy Award winner, Oscar-winning actress, enemy of Sergei Prokofiev. <laughs> oh, man. Who was afraid of Barbara Streisand? Well, most people. Mm -hmm, most people. Uh, <laughs> uh, dogs, doctors are especially afraid of her. Um, yeah. Uh, or clones of dogs. Exactly. Anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, Around Here was 
where I basically figured out when we're we're getting back to the short. Yes, yes, yes. That this yes. is basically just the it's just the fairy tale. There's barely any subversion. It's just yeah. you know the wolf the wolf comes in looking crudely animated but still a wolf and there's the whole not by the hair of my chinny chin chin i often puff and blow your house down it's being played very straight mm -hmm. and the whole time i'm watching this i just keep being reminded of better and funnier versions of this that don't play it as straight that actually make fun of things i'll mention whose line again uh there's a very famous playing of news report from the the uk version which is not, not weird newscasters, news report, which is basically they have to do a news report on a fairy tale, and it was on Three Little Pigs. And Ryan Stiles played a very camp um, big bad wolf, and he was saying, I'm just going to I'm gonna huff and puff, and I'm going to blow them. Down! Down! <laughs> so I just think of funnier versions of this and, and things that actually subvert it. But really, this is just the most bland, mean, not meaningless, but like just... It's safe. It's teaching the big, the three little pigs to kids, but it's not really doing anything different with it. It's not being subversive because, I mean, when has Disney ever been subversive? Except for like the Black Cauldron or Emperor's New Groove or, okay, several other times, but not when Walt was actually running. I agree. I mean, there's really not much we can say about this thing story-wise. So the only thing we can really judge this, no. the only thing we can judge this on is the gag work. And there's not much here. And there's not much. There's really there's really not much here. Um, I will say, though, I did have this one observation, is that the second pig... The second pig went through Donald Duck's trailer and stole his clothes. It's the same outfit. Yeah. <laughs> Donald Duck is running around naked going, Where I can't do a Donald Duck voice, but just imagine Donald Duck was saying the line, Where the hell have my clothes gone? You absolute brute, you. I can't do a Donald impression, but nope. just imagine that I did. Yes. I can't do Donald, and I can't do Marvin the Martian. Nope. And also, I mean, you gotta let the sound effect work in this of, okay, they need audio for the third pig to build bricks. What do we need? Um, just record some raspberries into the mic. We'll use that. Someone got paid for that. Someone got paid to go... Like someone got paid for that. No, I think what happened is that is that um, they somebody just snuck um, a mic into um, oh, no. into the break room when people were having lunch and it was chilly day. <laughs> True story. Yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, okay, so. So, so who's okay? So, okay, here, here's a question I got for you Who's afraid of the big mm. bad wolf versus it's a small world? Who's worse? Uh, it's a small world hmm. because people can cover who's afraid of the big bad world. He, basically, the problem is, is the, the problem I have with who's afraid of the big bad wolf in this cartoon is that the voices that are singing it are annoying, yeah. And you can take the song out of that and give it to, say, Barbara Streisand. And you can play with it and make it interesting. The problem is not with the song. The problem is with the people singing it. The problem with It's a Small World is the song. So, so do the pigs tell the wolf to go away? And the wolf, the wolf who's voiced by a B 
Billy Bletcher, because, because of course it is. Of course he is. Of course he is. And, but I, I have to say, though, I do find the wolf to be the best character in this. Because Easily. He, he's trying. Because he's not annoying ass like the pigs. Yeah, because he's trying. Because, like, he, mm-hmm. he does this great thing where it's like, okay, I'm going to go now. And, of course, he does the thing where, he like, comes he comes back dressed as a sheep. Yeah, so they can, yep. No, and they just says, don't, I'm a sheep. I need somewhere to sleep. Please let me in. And, of course, it's like, and I'm going to force to that sheepskin. And no, 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 no. Yes, Sally like John Ratzenberger. Snowcone! Yeah. No. <laughs> you see him, I can do. So, and he's like, ah, darn. So, he gets thrown off by the sheep. Yeah, so, because it, it pisses him off so much, he blows the house down. The house gets blown down. Yeah. Then they run on over to the, the practical pig, who already has his house built. Oh, yeah, easily. And he's fast. First of all, the only subversive joke in this picture is the picture on a practical pig's wall uh, re- that reads father. That's just a, a picture of sausages. Yes. That's the only subversive joke in the picture. And it's pretty good. It's a good and joke. There is some good stuff. There's some good slapstick in this last third, I will say. Yes. So, okay. How, how do we discuss this part here? Okay, so the wolf comes back disguised as a fuller brush man straight the pigs into letting them in he says that he's he is taking his way comes away through through college and he'll like to some uh, brush the pigs say get out of here and then the the wolf tries to you know come in and then the practical pig takes the brush hits him it, it pisses off the wolf he rips off the disguise Okay, now I wrote that in my notes. I'm not mentioning that this section right here was initially very Jewish and we edited it after World War II and everyone realized what the Jewish people went through. Oh shit. Oh, did you not know this? <laughs> no. Well, holy I'll tell crap. You. Okay. <laughs> 30. Because I watched the version that was on Disney Plus. Oh, okay. That this they they reanimated after World War Two, so given oh given this was literally a case of Disney going okay we made this Jewish joke this is not gonna fly because we just found out what happened in Germany so yeah we we can't let the people know that we we can't let something that that is insensitive to jewish people come from the disney company or else we give them the idea that walt disney hates jews we can't give them that idea oh, of course not so in the original version um he's disguised as a he's voiced by jackie mason <laughs> no Come back it's, here. it's it's still hey. it's still um actually um he's voiced by uh pinto uh, Colvick. Who who also voiced Practical Pig in this and and Pluto and right. and this little bit here he does a Yiddish accent and you oh know he's uh, uh, what, uh I think he's like selling a free sample uh, of the Fuller brush or something or something. Watch, so go on Google and type in Three Little Pigs Jewish. 
Just, just type that in. I, I, I want your live uh, reaction. Because <laughs> it's bad. Like Disney Three Little Pigs? Yeah. Uh, just type in like, yeah, just type in like Disney Three Little Pigs, Jewish. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Look, the point is, they did this, and then they found what happened in Germany, and they went, we should probably fix this, because this is not kosher. Ah! Yes! <laughs> there we go. Okay, and we can move on now. There we go. Yes, okay. So the wolf tries to blow down the house of the property pig, and of course, it doesn't work. The wolf, he, he's naked now. He's still blowing at the door. Okay. This is actually the one part of the cartoon I did like. So as he's trying to get yeah. into the house, we have this nice little piano gag with the practical pig. Yeah, I like this. This is a nice, like, it, it plays off the music and the animation very well, where it's like the wolf's door, the door sounds going on, and then the practical pig plays, like, an, a piano key. That was good. Right. I like that. Yeah, that works. So the wolf uh, jumps up onto the roof. The idea is he's going to Santa Claus this shit. He's going to slide down the chimney and into the um, yeah. into the, the house. What do you think is there? Of course, a boiling thing of water or something to do with socks. I don't know. Right. So as he's about to go down, one of the pigs finds a... um. A thing of, of of turpentine, which is like the juice made from like pine needles. So it's 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 the right. icky stuff or the mama or like a Christmas tree. It's that. So right. as the wolf is sliding down the chimney, the wolf adds it to the concoction, and as soon as the wolf hits it, jumps up off the chimney, and our big bad wolf character leaves the picture. By scraping his ass on the ground as he's running away from the pig's house. And we end the cartoon. And the little bear behind. No. So, <laughs> so, we, cut <laughs> so we cut back to the pigs. Who. <laughs> and okay. I kind of like this um, distinction of. Two of the pigs are absolutely full of shit, and the third pig knows what the fuck's going on. Because as yeah. soon as the wolf's out of there, the, the two pigs immediately go back to saying, Who's afraid of the big bad wolf? The third pig is like playing along. He decides to fuck with them because they didn't learn their, their lesson. So he just knocks on his piano like it's a door. And immediately, the, the two pigs are flippant cowards and dive underneath the bed and we we do end with the pigs behind so i'll give you that we, we uh, do yeah. end with a, a, animal rears so there's a reason that warner brothers loved making fun of the cutesy style of disney yeah and i think knowing the context of disney shorts at that time you know you, you, you kind of understand where they're coming from like like uh, now that summer is gone, you kind of get like, okay, see what you're doing here and watching this cartoon. And, and Three Little Pigs, right. it's a morality tale. 
you know, kind of, sort of. I guess listen to your elders. Uh, I don't fucking know. Yeah. And, okay. The only thing, especially at this time, that that Warner Brothers had above Disney is the gag work. I think the one yes. the gag work at Warner Brothers is top tier. Well, rather animation mm-hmm. is good, you know. Um, clearly, they they would get better as as the decades go on, and then get worse as the decades oh, go yeah. on. But anyways, um, I mean, credit gets to their animation, but as a cartoon, that's Yes, it's supposed to entertain you, but one of the facets of entertainment is laughter, and you can barely provide that. So, uh, which, like, I don't know, maybe part of that's just the fact this was that this was 1933, so the idea of animation was, like, enough to blow people's minds. Like, oh, everyone knows Three Little Pigs? Well, blow their minds by doing an animated version of the Three Little Pigs. And, like, that was enough at that time, but it's fine. But 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 I do have issues with this. Um, actually, no, nope. I, I said all I had to say. So, well, <laughs> so I, I, was like, I was like, wait a minute. I wrote an entire same paragraph. Oh wait, no, it, it's it literally not what I just said. Uh, so so, what? Okay. What are your thoughts on this? Um, I mean, look, this is this is an absolutely functional short. It has the occasional good gag, but this serves as more of a basic kids show through Little Pigs telling without much some subversiveness or genre twisting. Like it, it's fine. It's it's well animated. It's a good telling of through Little Pigs, but there's no bite to it. There's no like subversion or anything that's different from what the actual story is. This is a very safe, a very boilerplate. And a very for the masses kind of cartoon, which is to say, it's a Disney cartoon, um, for better or for worse. Uh, I mean, in terms of like you know what other people think of this, um, Chuck Jones really liked this one. Yeah, <gasps> uh, yeah, he, he liked it, especially about how the characters are are brought to life and that they have different, okay. uh, they have different personalities. Which, okay, right. true. But kind of, you know, like I think the person besides from the third pig, the first two pigs, they're the same. Like it's yeah. really there's no there's nothing differentiating, except one plays a flute, and the other one a fiddle. Yeah, they're basically the same otherwise. Okay, so I'm giving this a three out of five animal rating. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm giving it. Perfectly fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, in terms of the the, the legacy of, of this cartoon, it's it spun off three more cartoons they did, and they neither of the sequel ones were successful, which led to the uh, the the phrase that you can't talk pigs with pigs. So, aka, mm. in the 1930s, they learned. We shouldn't do sequels, which is hilarious now. When you look at <laughs> that's all they do. All they do is either sequels or remakes, or pretty soon remakes of the sequels. 
Still like you too, turns out. And I guess the last little factoid I'll have here is that the movie, it happened one night. Which, oh, yeah. you know, Clark Gable, Claudia Colbert, it's a movie that was, like, cited as part of the inspiration for Bugs Bunny, both, you know, with Clark Gable eating a carrot, he calls people Doc. There, there's some, like, Bugs Bunny attributes here. Well, in the movie, there's a scene where Clark Gable and uh, Claudette are forced to room with each other. And the Gable's character, you know, he's, he's sequestered himself away from Colbert by setting up an off area. And Colbert has reservations and declares, you know, like, hey, I'm not comfortable about this. And Clark Gable treats the situation and just starts singing Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf. He just starts singing the song right. because um, that was, at the time, a current reference. So... Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's a weird like Turner uh, circular thing is that uh, Disney song from a Clark Gable movie and the movie inspired Bugs Bunny, which inspired Warner Brothers to make Pigs and Polka. There we go. Oh yeah. Yeah, it did. How about that? Yes. Yeah. Please, please um, take us out of this Disney section. It's freaking me out, man. It's freaking me out. Oh, I mean, really, the thing is, is that it took basically 10 years for them to do this. So the iron wasn't exactly hot. Um, it's not like the kind of thing where it took, because of animation production, it took an extra year for Bob Clampett to get his I'm Angry at the Oscars um, short out. But yeah, this one came out in 1943, 10 years after uh, Three Little Pigs. So I think there, there, there there's a couple of reasons why... They, they didn't do it immediately. I think it, was, it wasn't like they were crying out to do a parody of this. It was like, let's do a parody of something else and also do a parody of this, which I'll get into when I actually go into it. But yeah, Pigs of the Polka was released on February 2nd, 1943. Uh, on this date, can I do, can I do the old-timey news guy voice well, means. for this one? Because this is a war. Well, means. February 2nd, 1943. The Battle of Stalingrad ends with the surrender of the Germany's Sixth Army, a turning point for the war, where the Russian troops would begin to get more and more into things, and the Germans would eventually go into the battles that they would end up losing two years later. It was one of the most important battles and a climax to a battle in the war's history, and would go down in infamy. And also on that day, Shadow of a Doubt was in theaters. So, um, which, you know, I have to bring it up every time there's a Hitchcock movie that comes out on this day, so... Um, we love Hitchcock here. Okay, this is a Frizz Freeling film. Uh, for some reason, uh, there's no writing credit on it. Really? Uh, so I don't know who wrote this. Yeah. Uh, it's odd like that. But I will say that um, in terms of vocal credits, uh, Sarah Berner and B. Benaderet, some of their uh, freelancers, do voice some of the pigs and help out Mel in this one. Um, this short is not only a parody of the Disney film that we just discussed, it's also a parody of another Disney production that had recently come out, a little movie called Fantasia. Um, I think that the Warner Brothers crew was very interested in how Walt Disney did classical music alongside often ill-fitting and zany animation. 
And so they actually did two cartoons in this period that mm -hmm. were really uh, analytical of how they did things. And we're going to do an even more silly version of, of this sort of thing. Uh, the other one is Corny Concerto, which is an Elmer Fudd starring one where Elmer Fudd plays the conductor of a Fantasia-like thing. That's a really good one. I think one day we'll end up um, covering that one. But um, this one is like Fantasia because all of the numbers and all the musical motifs in this cartoon are based off of Brahms's Hungarian dances. It's a nice subversion from the traditional Disney music we had in the last one. It's also definitely a nod to Fantasia and them saying, hey, we can take classical music and do what we want with them. So it's basically Warner Brothers taking a more niche, more specific genre of classical music, these Hungarian dances, very Russian Cossack kind of music, and trying to do their, their three little pigs over it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, and this is something I alluded to earlier in this episode. But uh, Pigs in the Polka was nominated for the anima animated short Oscar at um, at that year's 1943 Oscars. Um, the, there's two interesting things about this. First of all, uh, not the only Three Little Pig short that was nominated in 1943, because Fred Quimby of Metro-Golden-Mare did a uh, cartoon called Blitzwolf, which is basically the Three Little Pigs, but set during the war, which oh. I haven't seen, but it sounds very interesting. Yeah. Uh, the other interesting thing, uh, Mark, do you have any idea who won the 1943 um, uh, animated short Oscar. Without looking, don't look. I'm not. Um, let's see, 43. Ah. If I tell you it's Disney, will that happen? Ah, shit. If I tell you it's I, wartime, will that help? It's the Donald Duck as a Nazi one. Yes, it lost to the Fuhrer's Face by Disney, the Donald Duck uh, anti-Nazism short. Um, yeah, which is, is very funny. It's also very funny that they do this Three Little Pigs parody cartoon and it loses to the very studio they are sending up. Yeah. So, very ironic there. Okay, I'm going to get into this one because it's, it's very interesting. So the whole, the, the bridging of this cartoon, this one starts with uh, the, a wolf character playing the part of the conductor from Fantasia. I love how he prefaces the, the following um, musical piece by saying it's a retelling of the classic fairy tale, The Big Bad Wolf, and his real pics. Yeah. So he, obviously he's the one telling the story, so he can do it like that. Um, and yeah, he says these are really set to Brahms' Hungarian dances. Very cool. Okay, so getting into the actual Three Little Pigs bit of this. This is a lot funnier because this has better speed of animation. The focus is less on cuteness and more on zaniness. And there are time for jokes and gags. Like, the timing... Okay, so it's obviously doing little sequences where they say they're little, hi, I'm this, I'm this pig. <laughs> I built my house out of this. And then getting back into the rhythm of the piece. The timing of the second pig constructing his house out of matches, timed directly with the music, is fantastic. Of course, the house falls apart right before the iris to the next pig. So, a lot of this short is just... Mute gags that are set to music that don't involve dialogue, which is very cool. Um, but, I mean, some, some of the gags in this are odd. Like, uh, after the third pig is building his house, there's a random gag with a stork and some straw randomly landing on the third pig's house. I didn't understand that one. It felt odd to me. Um, I don't know if you if it felt odd to you as well. Eh. Eh. Whatever. Eh. 
Okay. And the next bit of this is a direct parody of the scenes from the Disney film of the two pigs dancing and playing the flute happily, all done in contrast to the third pig that is furiously working and getting annoyed by the fact that they're not doing any of the work in building houses. And this is slightly better than okay, the first one. Okay, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, go. Okay, so I, I was initially unsure if this short would be a good pairing with the first one. Mm -hmm. And then the two pigs took out a, a fiddle and a flute, the exact same instruments from the previous one. I'm like, okay, this is a good choice. Because yes. they're Perfect. literally sending it up. And yes. they even do a dumb little mm -hmm. dance. The second pig. Exactly. The pig does a dumb little yeah. dance. Exactly, and that's the whole thing. It's like purposely a stupid dance and a goofy subversion. And it's slightly better because it's trying to point out how cute the first one is and how the cuteness and goofiness is just wasting time instead of actually doing constructive things like, like you know, within this making the house, but also gags. So it's, it's, it's pointed and it, it's very good that it does that. Going forward, having the wolf's entrance be timed to some Cossack dancing music did make me laugh because it's, it's a very fun entrance for him. Um, but yeah, like I said earlier, this um, like the Disney one, this one's timed directly to the music. The difference is this one, the timing is more comical and joke-based, while the other one is just making the rhythm of the parts of animation into the song. Disney's is song-based. This one is comedy-based. And obviously, this one is working a lot more for me. Like, there's a whole sequence of the wolf hopping through some trees timed to the Brahms music until he falls into the water, and then he keeps moving to the music while underwater. That is so well-timed for me. And then, in the middle of this cartoon, and I'm going to be very careful because, like the first one, this is, um, this is going around a stereotype that could be kind of dicey. The wolf suddenly appears in a full Romani outfit, and it's complete cons cons um, it's a subversion because the wolf showing up dressed with a whole Romani outfit is more fitting with the style of the music than it is the fairy tale. It's like it's 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 the kind of gag where okay, it's it's trying to be the fairy tale, and but the music is so it you know tempting that all of a sudden the story has to follow the style of the music rather than the style of the fairy tale. That's basically a play on the Fantasia being well, why are you doing all these zany things instead of actually interacting right. with the music? And this becoming like a whole, like, oh, he's doing this Romani dancing and the pigs are wearing the same outfits. That at least was, was really interesting and funny to me. Uh, the timing of the pigs following the wolf behind the rock, beating him up and then coming out in the exact same outfit was very silly, a lot more daring than Disney. And also better than the Disney one is as the wolf is running after the pigs, he doesn't even have to go into the whole blow your house down spiel like the pigs run into the first house the wolf sets a match to it and it's gone in seconds plot boy done away with in a matter a minute of screen time not wasted it's just actually doing productive things with cartoon time and not just doing the whole minute of uh by the hair of my chinny chin chin i'll huff and i'll puff and i'll blow who has time for that shit this is the 1940s we gotta go 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 and they're actually doing that and also it's 1940s uh we we know all about three little pigs <laughs> it's like yes the audience is in exactly on the, on the story and the, yeah and then the timing the next joke the timing of the two pigs Quickly building up the house of matches into a pristine house in seconds before the wolf brings it down with a single match on top of it is great. This is yeah. why Warner Brothers is better than Disney in this era. Warner Brothers mastered comedic timing to music while Disney forgot the comedic part. 
Yeah, the last thing. I also let's go. Yeah, the the last thing with Disney at this time is that they're good with story, and they're good with making a fall in love with the characters. And the comedy relief in, in those films at that time were fine. They got the job done. Um, they they mastered. I mean, they ma- Mickey and the Beanstalk was funny. I mean, the Beanstalk was funny. Um, in terms of uh, the Seven Dwarves, I mean, that was a huge relief for them. It's like, oh, thank God, they think they're funny. You'd be screwed if it. Eh. Um, I I also I really like timing the wolf's attempts to get back and in, to get into the brick house to Brahms again. It, it's it's really good. It's honestly this cartoon is is a pre- precursor to Rabbit of Seville in its timing to pre-existing music. It's doing it really well. And it's making the music as much of a fit in this cartoon as something like Fantasia would be, but using it as an aid of the humor. I like that a lot. Um, But yeah, the whole thing is that, um, you know, the wolf is obviously he can't get in. And there's a nice little gag where he literally is is like, you know, is led into the house and like goes through certain doors and then is thrown out again in a succession of, of moments set to the music, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, like, <clears throat> I like in this section that the wolf gets discovered because like he, he's he's false playing a violin. He's brought to the house yeah. by the two. You, you know, it's so funny. Same character dynamics of the uh, first short. There's two pigs. Yeah. They're, they're stupider than the third pig. However, with this one, right. first of all, I, I will give one more credit because there is some bits of good animation here. I, I like the bit where, oh yeah, before they let the wolf into the house, the two uh, pigs are once uh, once again, and I feel this is a send up of the Disney short. The pigs think they're saint, and the first two pigs are yeah. doing their dumb little dance again, while the third yeah. pig is in the back. Like thinking, like he's like he's 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 like mounting up like ways on how to get rid of the wolf because he's right. smarter than them. I like that. I also like how the reveal, how the wolf gets revealed by a record player. Like, like he has a record player strapped to his back. So this entire gag, which I didn't really get into before, um, so basically the wolf is done up like a homeless woman fiddling outside the door in the snow. The reveal is that the the snow is actually talcum powder coming down off of him. Is really good. And, yeah, the, the, the two pigs stupidly let the wolf back in, much to the behest of the third. I like that. And then the reveal is that the fiddling is actually on the wolf's record player. And I love that the third pig changes the record over, causing the wolf to have to hurriedly go back to the Cossack dancing. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. a good gag one. And then, yeah, and then, and then this ending elevator gag, which is oh. is... is First of all, I like the fact that this house suddenly has several floors and an elevator and all these different other components that we didn't know before. It's bigger on the end. It's bigger on the inside. Yeah. Okay, the ending elevator shaft. That gag is light but well-timed and a great way to go out on a high note. I like that one. I love the the body language of the wolf as he's going down the shaft like he has his, he took off his hat he's standing like yeah. perfectly straight he thinks he's safe yeah that's great yeah so yeah um that's that's um pigs napolka i really enjoyed this one i think this was a great early effort at timing the music and using comic timing and gag work to tell a story without completely neutering it 
and I also think it was, it was a great critique and subversion of the Disney one and just a solid Frizz Freeling one shot using music without dialogue, without seeming like it needs the dialogue. Um, yeah, I was really impressed by this one. I, I don't, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but like I, to hell with it. I, I really liked it. <laughs> um, there are some things about it that, that I found weren't quite, okay. First of all, everything about the shore is better than the last one. Uh, it's run per- perfect. Oh, God, yeah. However, funny enough, in terms of gag work, okay, I did have this down as like a negative in that they have the pig two spinning with his tongue out gag a bit too much. I think it happens like four times in this. However, okay. now I like, think about it, it is actually a very nice satire of the uh, Disney one, even if that's intentional or not. Um, now, the one gag that I did kind of have a bit of an issue with is the wolf, you know, bams in something, like a door or whatever. He shakes, then he falls to the ground. This happens three times in a span of two minutes, maybe. It's the last gag in the short even. Mm. I find that was a, maybe a bit too repetitive. Mm. Uh, a bit too repetitive. But besides mm. that... There, I mean, I, I liked how it was much more fast-paced, and even though I felt there were a bit too many repeated gags, at least there were gags, you know? At least there, there was yeah. stuff in here that I could say is actually funny, instead of just going like, oh, I get it, that's a joke, like the, like the first one. So, so I, I'm going to give this a 3.5 out of 5 anvils. It is slightly better than Disney Short, in my opinion, based purely on the fact that it does more than just lay around and sing one song. Though you could argue that the measures of the uh, Hungarian dances are reused to the same extent, but at least they're different and not just the same song over and over again. Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm my anvil rating for this is undeterred by anything you're going to give it. I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5. I really liked it. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I do not care. And that's okay here. <laughs> that's okay. So, the last short on the docket. <laughs> yeah, the last short. Um, this one I don't think I feel as bad about liking because I know that we're both going to like. This is Three Little Bops. Yeah. It came out on January 5th, 1957. I asked what happened that day. This is a big one. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we haven't had a lot of big ones lately. This is a really big one. Jackie Robinson announces his retirement from baseball. Oh, yeah. Damn. Yeah, so, uh, was I to provide some more context for that? Yeah, Jackie Robinson, um, for those of you unaware, um, read a book or watch a movie. Uh, Jackie Robinson um, was basically the first... MLB player to break their color barrier because he was playing in the Negro Leagues for a while. And Branch Rickey, who owned the Brooklyn Dodgers, said, hey, I like him. We should sign him. And they did. And on April 15th, 1947, Jackie Robinson makes his MLB debut uh, and becomes one of the greatest MLB players of all time, playing for 10 seasons in Brooklyn, winning a couple of World Series rings, and becoming one of the most prominent second basemen and ambassadors for baseball in history. 
And so after the 1956 season, a very high note for uh, Dodgers baseball, he says, you know what, I'm going to retire. I'm going to throw it in. And um, within like a couple of years, he's, he's elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame, like not unanimously, but pretty close. And um, he's essentially got his own wing of the Hall of Fame nowadays. All right. So, okay. So quick thing. This is right read by Fritz Feeling. Yes. It was written by Warren Foster. Mm-hmm. But the main thing, the main big thing about this short is uh, Stan Peeper. Yes. He's the he's the only voice in this cartoon. What? Well, no length not in this. Now, 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 Mark, correct me if I'm wrong here, because I'm not sure. Is Stan Freeberg also the voice of the narration musician, or is that Shorty Rogers? That is Stan. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. The the only moments of. Okay, wait. Maybe the crowd, like, like, could just moment like a, the crowd says some stuff. Yeah, that's that's other people. That's so, whoever they could get in the studio. That's other people. Some crowd noise, I think. Uh, there he is. That that doesn't really count. But, but everything else is Stan Freeberg. Yes, and just like a, a brief rundown of, of yeah. who this guy was, because he was a big deal. Um, he was born August seventh, nineteen forty six. Gained prominence as a comedy music artist. Yeah. He would do he would do comedy records. He would get his own radio comedy show. He got started in advertising. Right, as one does. Including being solely put in charge of the advertising of the uh, of the movie It's a Mad 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 World. Oh he was yeah, yeah, he was responsible for all the radio ads. He wrote all the ad copy. Like, did he write the? Project. Did he write the theme song? Um, I don't think so. Okay, but if he's responsible for like all the Prince ads and all the crazy designs of like promotional material, then hats off to Stan Freeberg because that is a movie that has a style even before you go and see it. Yeah, yeah, he, he was probably responsible for the radio and television ads for the thing. Right. Which the television actually are great because it's the cast of it's a mad 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 world doing like shtick. Yeah. So you have all these greats of comedy coming together and just doing bits about uh the about the um like the billing. That's it, billing. Some of the TV ads would be like them arguing about billing. Okay, cool. Guess what? And yeah, it, it, it's some really good stuff. Cool. Great movie. All right. So he, he would, and he came to work with Warner Brothers in 1944. That's where he would become a like a, like a voice actor for the most right. of his career. He voiced such characters as Pete Puma and Babe and the and Junior for the Chuck Jones uh, Three Bears mm-hmm. series. And the main thing is, a lot like him and June Foray. Though, though even June Frey would eventually get credit in, in, in her uh, Rocky Bullwinkle work. Right. Um, for his Warner Brothers uh, work, uh, Stan, he didn't get credit for a ma- majority of his uh, work there, probably all of his work there. Uh, this short, The Three Little Bops, is the only Warner Brothers credited short that he's credited on. Yeah. And 
And uh, in doing research, uh, the reason for that being that, you know, um, Mel Blank wanted a raise. So when Leon Fleshner, like, give me a raise. Leon's like, no, because I'm cheap. Mel's like, then give me exclusive vocal characterization credit. So Leon's like, that doesn't cost me money. Sure. And so that's what happened. Yes. So in making this short, uh, Frizz pretty much just said Stan, like, well, this is ridiculous. You're going to have screen credit. Like, you're the person in this. Mel's not even in this. We're not going to credit Mel Blake for something you did. No. So, yeah. So, Stan was able to get uh, a, a Voices By credit for this. And according to Stan Freeberg, um, in recording for this, Frizz didn't really direct him because Frizz knew that Stan was really good at his job. So, just yeah. let him uh, do what he did. Great. And it works out. So the music was provided outside of the studio system. This mm. wasn't by Carl Stalling. This wasn't Mel Franklin. This was uh, Shorty Rogers. Right. Who um, responds for the music. He played the bad trumpet for the wolf. Mm-hmm. Also, what's interesting here is that between the Three Little Bops and Pace of Polka, there's a 13-year span. So... So between those 13 years, Fish Friend did all these amazing things, and then he goes right back to a an uh, obstruction of the three little pigs. Right. So old habits die hard. So this short, conceptually, immediately, like, wins me over. Because I love that it's a complete subversion of the three little pigs story. Instead of houses to blow down... They're jazz clubs that each of the that the three little pigs play in. They're uh, they're not even owned by. I mean, are they owned by the pigs themselves? I think I I always thought they were other people's jazz clubs they just played in. They they are uh, other people's jazz clubs. Exactly, which is, makes it even funnier because like you know, oh, somebody else is blowing down. It's not my conflict. You know, it's it's somebody's blowing down some my club because of other people. Like like it's independent club owners are going to go. What the hell's going on here? That's the real story. The three little pigs, the wolf, and the club owner who's miffed about his property getting going missing. So, so yeah, but yeah, that's the thing. You know, they're all jazz clubs. The wolf, you know, the, the three little pigs are a jazz band. The, the wolf is a jilted trumpet-playing has-been who doesn't want to eat the pigs but wants to get back at them for not letting him play trumpet alongside of them. It fits the soap culture of jazz in the 1950s while also being a great way of switching up the story. I mean, this isn't the funniest. It's, it, to me, this isn't as funny as the last one, but it's a cool, interesting way of telling this story, which also means it's better than the Disney one. So conceptually, I'm on board almost immediately. So the whole the whole cartoon is basically to the tune of this Shorty Rogers, you know, blues song. It's not blues. Yes. It's, it's 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 a hop. It, it's it sounds very similar to like rock around the clock, which is very similar to like a. Um, it, it's very similar to a song. I think it's like a, like a New Orleans kind of like Bourbon Street Blues kind of thing. But right, so yeah, our story starts and you know everything is done to the song, and um, you know the whole thing is that they're playing at this this first club, the House of Straw, mm-hmm. and the wolf comes in and auditions with this horrible trumpet playing, and I love that he he bounds into the place with 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 red eyes and red frames, and he's just too happy. That's great. <laughs> and of course, he's horrible at the trumpets, and the pigs have a inverse dismissal of the wolf, which is great, and a good, the first evidence of how great this this writing is by um, Warren Foster. 
We've played in the West. We've played in the East. We've heard the most, but you're the least. You're the least. That's a great line, and I love that. And I also love Stan Freeberg's voice as the wolf. He's really just a jilted Brooklynite, really. He's he's just a myth, you know. Oh, yeah, this is it's not good, you know. Like he's 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 trying to do the whole Allen Ginsberg beat era kind of thing, like oh it's cool, Daddy O or whatever. But um, he's really out of sorts and 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 not as cool as he's letting on. And you know, so obviously he blows the the house of straw down with his trumpet playing. And I, I love the way the dinner party going on inside the House of Straw sort of shrugs when the House of Straw gets blown up and says, oh, yeah, anyway, how are you doing? You know, like, like nothing's happened. <laughs> we, we follow them to the, the next, the House of Straw, the House of Sticks, the Dew Drop In. Yes. The Dew Drop In, the House of Sticks, Thrill to Pickers, Grimm, and Out Licks. I remember most of the dialogue to this one because this was part of um, oh, yeah. Looney, 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 Bugs Bunny movie. And I would yes. watch that movie a million times, and therefore I watched this short a million times. A lot of the dialogue yes. and verse in this has stuck it, in my mind. It, it's in a movie that I've seen a million times, and it also helps that the entire thing's in rhyme, and that it kind of slaps. Like, as yeah. a song, it works. Like, it's good for kids, but it's also, like, a genuinely good kind of song. Like, there were moments as I, that I was sort of, you know, tapping along with it. And, like... That's rare for like cartoon songs. I'm like, oh, okay, this is for kids. I wasn't doing that during Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf. Certainly no. But like, this was just a really cool number. That yes, it happens to be a whole kids through little pigs kind of thing. But it's it works, and it's very much an earworm kind of thing. And I also love how we point out here because at, at their performance at the House of Sticks, that one of the one of the pigs was um, to quote the um, to quote the musician narration. He was doing the Liberace on the 88, which was um, basically Stan was just doing, you know, some piano stuff. And then Stan peeks up and does a very impressive Liberace impression going, I wish my brother George was here. So yes. he can do impressions too, folks. You know, he can sing, he can dance, he can do impressions. And he can satirize. Give him the credit, damn you. Please. I really like the motif of... The pigs being like melodic music, like, you know, bass and guitar and piano, and the wolf being percussion. Like, it, the whenever the wolf comes in, like, there's cymbal crashes when he's trying to get into the House of Straw. And when he comes into the House of Sticks, there's a timpani and a, um, and a cymbal crash. It's just... Mm. It's 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 a very interesting musical motif that also works in the realm of the script. So construction-wise, this cartoon is really cool. So this is where um, the wolf blows down the house of sticks, and I love the line that Warren Foster adds here: "Do drop in, did drop down." It's great, smart. And the entire stanza after they leave the house of sticks. Has not left my mind in twenty odd years. I remember it oh, no. by memory, like literally. It's it like I've, I've given you shit in the past for reading lines from either Rabbit or Seville or um, uh, Hillbilly Hair uh, verbatim, but like the whole the, the verse here. Okay, sturdy place this house of bricks, built in seventeen seventy six, high class place with a high class frat with a high class crowd Sorry. signed on the door. No wolves allowed. It all works so well, and it's done in that really nice blues and bop kind of uh, thing by Stan, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 
yeah, just stand belting it out, and it uh, it works. It's so well written, so well written, and I also love the wolf lifting up the no wolves allowed sign and immediately getting punched in the face by the bouncer. Great timing, <laughs> and so another great Warren Foster line coming up here, where he tries to, blowing the place down and it doesn't work. And, and the line is, he huffed and puffed and bleeped and blooped, and at 10 o'clock was completely pooped. <laughs> so, the timing of the wolf coming in in disguise with a ukulele, playing a few bars, and then slipping on a banana peel and immediately leaving, and then the song continuing, is so good. I love that. I love that cut. Oh it, it's, it's great comedic timing. Yeah. The next two gags were cut out of the Lonely Bugs Bunny movie. They were. Yeah, because the first one is the wolf hiding in a plant and being plundered out the door by one of the pigs. And then he comes in with a bass drum, and then one of the pigs puts a little dart in the bass drum, and he sort of has to soggingly get the bass drum back out. <laughs> and, of course, they keep the next gag because it's, it's, you know, the ending gag. Um, in which the wolf, the wolf resorts to terrorism. <laughs> well, when you put it like that. Yes, a team. <laughs> He gets TNT. His intention is to blow up the place. Yes. So he just, he has this TNT. He's like, damn, blow it up, blow it up. And he takes out a match. And of course, one of the pigs has a, like a, immediately blows it out. He blows it, blows it, immediately blows it out. And of course, it's it's time brilliantly to the music. Yes. And of course, he, he, he lights it far away. And as he's running, to drop it off at the at the brick house, it blows up. Yep. And God, I, I, the attention to detail. The explosions are synced up to. Well, the big I love it. Uh, I love it so much. Even the wolf blowing himself up is well timed. That just says a lot about yes. this short and how everything is well timed. Oh my. God. And it turns out that the the wolf didn't go to heaven. Was the other to the other place. So pan down, and somehow, actually no, they, they do explain it. He gets up to hell, and he's really hot because he's in hell. And of course, that's when he's good. You got to be real hot to play real cool. Exactly, and. We end the cartoon just fucking pleasantly. Yeah. You know, they're, they're playing the ending music, and they just hear the wolf triumphantly playing as his, like, spirit rises up, and he, he plays with them. He joins the three little pigs. Plus one. Yeah, saying plus silent, the little pig, plus one. We, we iris out on that, and we just have the end. Yeah, there's no that's all, folks. It just ends. There's no that's all, folks, because we're out. Then yeah. We don't need it. You can't permeate that with that. Yeah, it, it wouldn't fit, no. honestly, because you can't have, like, great jazzy beats and then just bop it up, bop, bop. It's like, yeah. it, 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 it would work. It's why there isn't one in What's Opera Doc as well, right? Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. Oh my god! So obviously, I love this one. Um, yeah, it's been it's been it's been deemed a classic by the masses, and I'm all for that label. Um, 
This mm-hmm. is the best at timing the music itself. A great track that had my fingers tapping. Some amazing comedy writing and well-timed jokes. Good characterizations from Stan all around. And a really good flow throughout the whole thing. Plus, it was a way oh of God, telling yeah. the three little pig story that didn't feel fresh or safe and spoke to the subculture of the 50s without pandering to them. So much mm-hmm. was done well. It was so well written. It was so well done by everyone. It is a classic short for a reason, and there is so much to love here without it being an outwardly ha-ha-ha funny one. It's just so good and one of my all-time favorites. This cartoon is a, demonstrates that if you have a way of taking a pre-established IP, like the Three Little Pig story, and applying a twist to it, you can get amazing results. Oh, yeah. I mean... The Three Little Bobs is a great example of this. It it is the Three Little Pig story, mm-hmm. but instead of a flute and a fiddle like the previous two, it's jazz and blues music. Now, that is not to say if you add like an EDM track to a story by Little Red Riding Hood that you get the same results. No. Because again, the music in this is great. It's hummable. It's m- memorable. It will stay with you for years on end. And Stan Freeberg does a great job as the singing narrator, as well as providing a damn good performance as the wolf. Mm. And and I, I will say the only thing that indicates the times is um, the UPA style of the crowd, because the crowd is is drawn very um, simplistic, very uh, niche, if that makes any sense. Well, I love how the pig and the wolf are designed in that classic Warner Brothers yeah. style. That, yeah. But, but it still fits. It still works. If you take off a half star for this crowd thing, I'm going to be livid. I am not. Oh, it's God. great in the Little of the Bugs Bunny movie. It's great here. Five out of five endings. That's my Well, rating. quite clearly, I'm also giving it a five out of five. Why wouldn't I give it a five out of five? It's, it's one of the best Warner Brothers cartoons. And the fact that it came out in 1957, as things were beginning to wind down, and marked the beginning of, honestly, like, this was also the years where, like, Warner Brothers was doing a one-two punch at the Oscars and doing um, Birds Anonymous and then Nighty Night Bugs. And it's very weird to me that Three Little Box was not their Oscar submission and that instead they went with Birds Anonymous. Well, I think about that. So, uh, on the uh, Looney Tunes wiki, right, just like, uh, just like a gallery. Right, like, here's images of the cartoon, and here's, like, making images. This was one of the images, and it, it fascinated me. It's an Academy Award short subject screening. Mm-hmm. It's dated uh, January 8th, 1957. Yeah. So this was one of the, the, sh- the it was on the short list, no pun intended, of, um, of... Yes. Okay. Also, here's a, one, one little thing... One thing that I like, my final thought on this, is that if you really want to, on Spotify, or I assume your music streaming service of choice, if you type in three little bops, the first result, because uh, the first result is the audio of the three little bops. Good. I am not kidding. Let that up. You can listen to the song when you're doing your laundry or whatever. Yeah. And also, it has Stan Freeberg in it. It's a full thing. Yeah. However, so if you if you just want the audio, just the music, um, I guess you can either look around online or get the um, 
the Looney Tunes Gold Collection Volume 2, where I believe it has a music-only track. Yeah, I think so. I think you can do that. So. Yeah, if we're, if we're honest with me by itself, there are ways to uh, right. get it. Okay. All right. So, we learned so much today. Yes. We learned that Disney shorts are, are decent with story, bad with gags. We learned that there's a way to obscure a plain Disney short into something good. There's a way to take the idea of the three little pink and make it great. Yes. Lots of good discussions in this one, and I hope you guys got a lot out of it. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Let's read some comments. Yeah. Okay. First comment. Easy one, because it's our friend Brandon, who um, we're in the, uh, the Watch Who's Line Tonight team with at Invader Pets. Uh, the best gag in Disney, The Three Little Pigs, the picture of sausages labeled father. Yes. Um, that is a great gag. And it's just sly enough to be the only real cynical uh, gag in a very straight-laced and easy cartoon. He also says at the end of this, I hope you'll also talk about Avery's Blitzwolf, which... Did we talk about that during the actual episode of, of any of the Avery stuff? I feel like we hinted about it in our um, Avery episode. Yeah, I think we hinted at it. I don't know if we'll cover it. Right. But, uh, I don't know. And honestly, he's not the only commenter here that's that's talking about, like, shorts that... Other Three Little Pig shorts that we didn't get to in this one because... Uh, our other friend who's, who's commented before at, um, at Guido95, Fox and Fissa, he said, I was guessing you'd also talk about the windblown hair, which is basically about the three pigs as well, and actually a terrific McKimson. And I do agree with you. Uh, I mean, we, we're, like, at, at, at the time we record this, we're also mired in a bit of uh, McKimsonage that we have to do for some other more recent ones. Um, but windblown hair is a pretty decent Bugs one because it's, it, McKimson was pretty well adjusted in terms of fairy tale world, worlds, and while that is a good one, I feel like there was more of a conversation in the ones that we did in this one. Judging by the massive length, I reckon, of this one. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, and the last comment we have here is from uh, Spiderus at Spiderus Prime Two. Right. He says that uh, Disney's take of the Three Little Pigs are well known, that Walt Disney himself loves their characters so much that he got sequel cartoons. This short has a song that you might catch yourself singing mm. and also see why the mouse is almighty compared to the Looney Tunes at that time. Uh, which is true, because at the time of the Three Little Pigs, there wasn't much. No. There really wasn't much. They were just starting out when Three Little Pigs became yeah. the hot thing. So, yeah, it's, I used to compare a well-established um, machine like Disney at that time, which is hilarious considering they were only like, what, like five years old? Oh, something when like Three Little that, Pigs yeah. short came out or something. Something like that. So even to be that early into your company's run and you already own the place, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, that's, uh, that's I mean, a very Disney mindset that is definitely um, held all these existed. years later. Also, and it's also some Spider-Man. Um, also, why no one made a parody scene of the Disney's Three Little Pigs? 
singing their song. Then Val Kilmer's Batman shows up randomly to say Big Bad Bat. Would the pigs randomly stop playing their instruments and look of confusion? I mean, any animal would be confused by Val Kilmer's Batman. Uh, <laughs> that lisping. <laughs> We're going to go to the circus. Well, thank you all. This was a, a very spirited um, comment section for what I can only assume will be a very spirited episode. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think everybody around had a good time with this one. Uh, but thank you guys. Uh, we, we appreciate it. Yes. Yes. Thanks so much guys. Right. So, uh, for next week's show, we're going to be talking about, cause we did, you know, the first round of character pieces, the more iconic ones in the first, uh, lap of the show, you know, Bugs, Daffy, Tweety Bird, Sylvester, Wiley Coyote, uh, Tasmanian Devil. And we're going to start covering some characters we didn't get to then that are kind of important in the, the realm of the Looney Tunes. But we're not important to land in the first week of the show. And the first of those that we're doing is a, um, a tribute to a very famous radio personality named Senator Claghorn that would be affectionately called by the Warner Brothers crew Foghorn Leghorn. So we're going to be doing three Foghorn Leghorn shorts next week. Uh, we'll see if we have anything to say about them because I, I kind of – I have no real f strong feelings on Foghorn Leghorn one way or the other. But uh, maybe I will next yeah, week. Yeah, same. Uh, what shorts are we doing next week, Mark? So the shorts we'll be doing next week are Walkie Talkie Hockey. Yes, his debut. The Foghorn Leghorn. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lovelorn Leghorn, okay. which has the character of, uh, of uh, Prissy in it. Right, it's one of the other big uh, characters in that canon. Um, there, there are some things to talk about that in, in terms of Foghorn Leghorn, but um, it'll be very interesting to see what we get out of that one. You know what happens? Okay, how about this? How about while we discuss Foghorn Leghorn cartoons, we just eat chicken? Uh, <laughs> don't get me hungry, man. We're recording this around dinner time, so like I'm about to go head first into a bowl of of, of pasta, I believe. So nice, yeah, nice, yeah. They're just like so. This Foghorn Leghorn, oh. Sponsored by KFC. Okay, KFC and Popeyes. We're going to let you sponsor next week's episode if you give us enough chicken. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm down. I'm down with having a Popeyes chicken sandwich. I mean, I've had better chicken sandwiches, but um, theirs is pretty good. The spicy Popeye sandwich is better, okay. in my opinion. Yeah, fair. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, so that's our show. Just end the show. <laughs> end I it. hope you liked it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Hmm. So that's the end of our show. If you like to keep up with us on Twitter, you can follow me at Mark Halem 1995, and you can f follow me <laughs> at Tall Guy Schmidt. If you'd like to keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's show, you can follow at that underscore loony or type in the podcast title. We are the first result. Almost there. Almost there. Uh, you can also follow our podcast wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes your Apple Podcasts, your Spotify Podcasts, your Google Podcasts, Player FM. Uh, Popeyes now has a streaming service. Squattable. We're, we're all over those. All right, so until next week, I'm Mark. 
And I'm Jordan, and I hope you guys liked this, because we certainly enjoyed ourselves. <laughs> uh, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I'm going to go eat some bacon. And I'm going to just eat until my freebasing wears off. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>